Thanks for joining us at Emmanuel Christian Community as we look at the book of Nehemiah from the Old Testament. Nehemiah was, in one sense, a regular guy. He was a layman, not a priest or a prophet, just a guy that believed in God and was open to God using him. He was full of passion and love for God and does everything in his power to lead the Israelites into a new era of devotion to God. (laughs) And it doesn't work. So as we consider Nehemiah, we will observe his strong leadership qualities, which were necessary to complete the task at hand. But we'll also look at some of his flaws and hopefully we'll learn from him. Ultimately, we're looking for the heart of the matter. And if we look close enough, we'll see it. A few weeks ago, I was listening to a podcast with someone who had left his faith in Jesus. He stopped following Jesus for a number of reasons, but the one that stood out to me was the hiddenness of God, that he hadn't seen conclusive evidence of God's work in the world. And since then, I've been thinking a lot about the hiddenness of God. How does God work in a world when often it's not very obvious? And some of you may have had those thoughts as well, whether you're someone who's thinking about faith, someone who's left the faith, someone who's pretty committed to faith, or don't really know where you are, We often ask ourselves, how does God work in the world when for many of us, his work is not very obvious? For those of us who identify as followers of Jesus, the most obvious place to see God's work in the world is through Jesus, through whom God revealed himself to us in human form. And the historical accounts of Jesus are the most tangible ways in which we see God at work. In those, God isn't hidden, he's revealing himself as a human two humans. But some may say that was only for 30 years uh, and it's a very specific area in the world in which God reveals himself. So how how does God work today? And how did God work prior to Jesus? It took him a long time before he came in Jesus. So how do people understand and see God at work prior to revealing his full self in Jesus? Well, today we're going to examine one way in which God worked prior to Jesus the lens of a Jewish man named Nehemiah. Nehemiah is one of the many accounts we have prior to Jesus of God's work in the world. I don't think any of these accounts give us a full picture of God, like Jesus does, but he does give us a picture of how God works in the world and increases our understanding of how he interacts with humans. And they give us a glimpse into what Ken talked about last week, into God's desire for us to have a new heart. Nehemiah gets to the heart of the matter. And so if you haven't heard Ken's sermon last week where he introduces the whole context of Nehemiah, including Ezra, I highly recommend listening to that. But for today, we're going to dive right into the story. As we read this text, we're going to be asking ourselves two questions. What is God up to and how is he at work in Nehemiah's world? Let me repeat that because it's so important for today. What is God up to and how is he at work in Nehemiah's world? I'm also not going to read absolutely every verse of chapters 1 and 2, so I encourage you to read the full text at home. Let me begin with chapter 1. These are the words of Nehemiah. One of my brothers came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, Those who survived the exile are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem are broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. 
Okay, what's going on here? We got Nehemiah, a Jew who is in exile in Persia, who gets news from his brothers and some other Jewish survivors about his homeland. And the news Nehemiah hears is oh, just so hard. The city, Jerusalem, his home city, still has its walls broken and burned down, and nobody has rebuilt them. So how does Nehemiah respond to this news? Let's keep reading. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days, I mourned and fasted and prayed before God in heaven. And then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant praying before you day and night for the servants, the people of Israel. I I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. I mean, wow, what a response. Nehemiah's first response to hearing the devastating news about his home city is to mourn, to pray, and to fast. And then his prayer is remarkable. Notice how he first acknowledges God's awesomeness and his love. And then he takes corporate responsibility for the sins of his people. He says, we Israelites, including himself, his family, and his whole people have committed against God. He says, we have acted wickedly and we have not obeyed God's commands. So remember the question I want you to be asking as we read this text? What's God doing here? How is he at work in Nehemiah's world? Well, I think he's at work in Nehemiah's life by convicting him not just of his own sin, but of his people's sins. It's pretty clear that Nehemiah was convicted by his people's faults. And if I were to try to see what God was doing in the story, I'm going to suggest that God was the one convicting Nehemiah of his people's sins. I think there's so much we can learn here. We live in such an individualistic society here in North America, and we often miss taking corporate responsibility of the sins our society commits. Think of the corporate sins of consumerism, materialism, racism, pollution, and treatment of indigenous people that we, as a collective people, have contributed to. So I wonder if one of the ways God's working today, like Nehemiah, is giving us a corporate sense of responsibility how we as a society have sinned against him, each other, and the world. God was at work in convicting Nehemiah of his people's sins, and I believe he's at work today in convicting us of our corporate sins. With that in mind, we're going to skip ahead to chapter 2. And as we keep reading, let's keep asking the questions. What's God up to, and how is he at work in Nehemiah's world? In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing of sadness of the heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. 
Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it that you want? Then I pray to the God of heaven and I answer the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let me send to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you be back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trance Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so that he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, by the temple, and for the city wall, and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. Okay, so here we have Nehemiah, who was in this privileged position of being the cupbearer to the king of Persia. And while he's serving wine, the king notices that he's not feeling well and asks him why. And in that moment, Nehemiah pours his heart for the grief that he holds because the city he loves, his home city, is in ruins. And he makes the bold request not only to go to the city, rebuild it, but to get all the resources and supplies from the king to do so. And then we get this incredibly important statement that Nehemiah says. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. The decisive factor of Nehemiah having the support of the king was not Nehemiah's actions or faith. It was God. It was because God's gracious hand was on him that the king granted his requests. I mean, think about it. The king of Persia granted his cupbearer a blank check to the royal treasury to rebuild his cupbearer's people's walls. I mean, isn't that extraordinary? So what God, what's God doing here? How is he at work in Nehemiah's world? God was at work by giving Nehemiah a deep desire for something as his heart broke for the suffering of others and the destruction of a city. God allows Nehemiah to be so bothered by it that he can't hide his grief before the king. And then God gave the king that same compassion for Nehemiah and so provides the funds. Isn't that beautiful to see God at work behind the scenes of the story? Throughout the whole book, we see God clearly at work. And in these first two chapters, we've seen God who's not hidden. He was there all along. He moved Nehemiah. He called Nehemiah. He gave him compassion and he gave the king compassion. And therefore, Nehemiah recognized that it was God at work, not his own effort. It was because of the gracious hand of, so the gracious hand of God who was on Nehemiah that the king granted the requests. So as we read the rest of this book, let's ask these questions. What's God doing here? How is he at work in Nehemiah's world? And let's not just do that in this book, but I hope we can do this exercise throughout reading all of the Bible. I often read the stories in the Bible with a focus on the people. But here's the thing. For so much of the Bible, the main people struggle and fail. They aren't the heroes. But in all those stories, if we look closely, God is still at work. He may not be obvious, but just like in the story of Nehemiah, he convicts people. 
He gives them a compassion for the lost and the broken. He leads them in his ways. God is the protagonist, not the people. And that's true in the lives of Jesus' followers today as well. We won't always get things right, but God is at work convicting us of our corporate sin, of our personal sin, giving us compassion for the plight of others and leading us into new ways. Chapter 2 of Nehemiah concludes with Nehemiah starting to rebuild the walls, with some people being excited to start the building process. But he also faces some opposition with other people mocking and ridiculing him. But even here, Nehemiah reminds the people that God is at work, as God is the one who will grant them success, which is where chapter 2 concludes. We'll continue the story next week, and as we do that, let's be reminded and ask ourselves the key questions we've asked this morning. What's God doing here? How is he at work in Nehemiah's world? And my prayer is that God will continue to open our eyes to see what he's doing, not only in Nehemiah's world, but in our world. As we see God as the protagonist, instead of ourselves, as we see God the one opening our eyes to our corporate sin, our people's sin, giving us compassion to the plight of others and leading us in his ways. My prayer is that God will do that as he shows us how he's at work in our world today. Let me pray. God, thank you that you work in the world, that you aren't hidden, that you show yourself by the way you convict us individually and corporately by the way you give us compassion, by the way you work through one another. And so I pray, God, that you open our eyes to your work and that we can join you in your work as you renew this world and our lives, God.